Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here and it's time for another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. As always, thank you for listening to this sports podcast where we have three guests in total today. A little different for being Super Bowl week. And a lot of news from around the sports world. It was a very brutal week. Sunday was awful with the death of Kobe Bryant and uh, his daughter Gigi as well as seven other victims in a helicopter crash. I'm going to talk to Brandon Marcus later in the show. My good friend, former NFL Network co-worker, and he hosts the Hoop Ball Clips podcast. He's an L.A. native. We both live here, and we're just going to tell some Kobe stories and just try to put into perspective, if we can, uh, what a loss he is for this community, as well as talk about some NBA standing uh, news and notes as well. I talked to Matt Gothard, my buddy who works at Yahoo in the Mad Bets gambling show, about our favorite Super Bowl prop bets, what we think action for the game should look like, how we would bet this game, hypothetically, of course. And uh, as always, we're going to bring back Joe Crisali to talk about the NHL. Seattle has a new hockey mascot, we think. We, we give our reaction to that. It was a pretty funny convo there. Break down the NBA standings and also uh, give our pick for the game. We're going to lead off with Joe, followed by the other two guests here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to talk about our two favorite sports, a little hockey and football. Calling in from Seattle, Joe Crisali. Joe, thanks for rejoining the show. What's going on, Mitch? Oh, same old, same old. It's those January times. We, uh, we're about done with this month trying to get through. I'm trying to get some sleep. You're trying to get some sunlight. You know, same same deal. Typical, typical. Well, the hockey world is, is where I want to start. We'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl at the end. But uh, a lot of big news uh, in, in hockey, a lot of races, a lot of intense games. Just had the all-star break. But we were talking about this before we started, man. My, the, the news that's captivating all of us is uh, we might have a, a team name in Seattle, and it's the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. The Kraken. Of all the options. The thing about the Kraken is a lot of the people that live here like the name. But it makes zero sense to me why they would choose the Kraken. And they didn't deny it. The NHL Seattle Center did not deny it after that story came out. They're like, we promise you we are going through all the deepest depths of the ocean and through all the trees and the forest to find the name. It's like, okay, so the name's the Kraken. But I, it, may, it makes no sense. Like what we were talking about before, if you literally Google search, one Google search, the Kraken. It's a mythical sea creature that terrorizes sailors uh, in the North Atlantic, which is on the East Coast. Like, it's the wrong coast. Now, wow. sure, there's, like, there's a bunch of sea creatures here, and there's a lot of, like, octopi and different kind of octopus all around here, but they're everywhere. And it's not like they're talked about here. Nobody goes around talking about, oh, yeah, this octopus, that octopus. It's just, like, they, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't get why they would pick, that would be. pick I know. Just imagine. I want to meet the people who sat in a room and they were like, "Okay, what are the names of the team that we could possibly have here?" And the other one that we talked about was the Sockeyes. And the hiccup with the Sockeyes was there's a woman here who wrote a romance novel, and in the romance novel, there's a hypothetical team called hockey team in Seattle called the Seattle Sockeyes that she came up with. And if that's the holdup for that team name, that's just insane. Because if you even take one peek at the books, oh, how yeah. does this woman have any it's any a little leverage raunchy whatsoever? And not not sports related. I I just wanna I just wanna say a couple of things. One being, I think Kraken is such a ridiculous name that I'm all for it. Like the con- like the idea that you would name any team. 
over a myth, mythical sea drag sea creature essentially uh, i'm all about i know i know it doesn't make full sense but you know there's a lot of mascots that don't make full sense and and, and just, whether or not it exists like you know we, we could go across teams, they like, just, like all the jazz in utah and the lakes in la i mean come on they i mean yeah they don't make a lot of sense but they've been around for long enough as to where you can agree that like okay that's the lakers even though like you said there's no necessarily no there's an la river if you can even call it that yeah, but yeah i mean they they just hit seattle fans with the xfl mythical seattle dragons now they're going to come again with another mythical creature i think two is too, <laughs> two too is many, too many. <laughs> well i'm but, just glad that we all were able to unite because we were not, i mean our, our friend circle it got a little like i wouldn't say heated but there were some opinions and, and i'm just glad that a hockey mascot especially a fake one can draw this kind of emotion that's good for the game <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was heated. No, I just, people had opinions on I don't, it. Everyone, I don't everyone was chiming in. <laughs> I don't get how there's so many different opinions on this. Like Kraken, All right? There's so many. Welcome, welcome to the Crack House. That's going to be the name of this. That's we're going to call the stadium. Be, the fans mas- are going to be called. Fans <laughs> are going to be called Crackheads. The Cracky the mascot. Mascot's name is going to be Cracky. Cracky. The crack, cracky the crack mascot, like oh man, is it human or is it gonna is it gonna be a human mascot or is it gonna be an actual animal? Are they gonna have an octopus there? I just or both. I just I just imagine like a a dude or whoever in a in like a flaccid like cotton octopus with like floppy arms, just like walking around, just looking, oh man, just just cracking me up. Yeah, I, I think but, the real people that are going to be upset are the Red Wing fans, right? I don't know what they're going to think now, throwing octopus on the ice when... Uh, yeah, oh you know. yeah, is that going to be the thing now? I now there's just going to be more octopus deaths here, you know? There's going to be oh, going yeah. around killing octopus, trying to throw them on the ice. But, I don't know, like, uh, Kraken? And the, the, my biggest thing with it, I know there's other teams in other leagues, but it's not plural. Like, what about Kraken is <laughs> speaks to a team? Isn't it a rum also? The only other team that, there's two other teams in the NHL, Lightning and Wild, I think are the other two that aren't plural. But when you think of those, those they, they're kind of plural terms. Kraken is literally a term of one mythical sea creature that has nothing to do with Seattle whatsoever. Yeah, Trinidad. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say. Tacoma's 11 wonders, <laughs> if you give a crap about Tacoma, but nobody cares. Like, oh, nobody man. cares about Tacoma. Yeah, just to put a bow on it, uh, the country of Trinidad and Tobago has uh, a rum called Black Crack and Rum. So, um, yeah, maybe that'll be the official drink of uh, in, yeah. <laughs> of, of this That's team. the first thing you think about, right, is the just pure gasoline crack and rum that you have to drink, just black rum. Wow. God, this is going to be fun. Well, anyway, we're, we're getting closer to another team, the 32nd team in the NHL, and it, uh, it, it's, it's fun. Uh, I think we can all agree, though. Joe, we want to see them play in some Sonics colors. I think that's something we can all unite on. That that's what I want. I, I want, so I want the, them to look like that. The thing of the the thing and the issue with that is, as soon as the news came out about uh, the NHL coming to Seattle, everyone who lives here has always let always lived here initially. Their first thought wasn't, "Oh, that's really sick. We're going to have an NHL team. I can't wait to go see them play." Their first thought was. So when are we getting the Sonics back? When is basketball coming back here? I'm like, you guys got to see how you do with the hockey team first. The NBA right. will probably be watching because uh-huh. I'm sure they want to add a team or two. But because the last time the NBA expanded, they added two teams. 
So yeah. it could happen again, but you got to see how this plays out first. And if they don't, I mean, they sold out uh, the season tickets within like what, like thirty seconds when they posted them up. But mm-hmm. and they're getting an knows. arena. I mean, that's the first step. This is a good thing for basketball fans. They're getting the arena first, and then we can kind of go from there. But that was the oh, big thing. And the, the fact that the fact that the arena. So the way that Seattle set up, there's just the kind of downtown area, and then Seattle Center where. And then there's like the Space Needle and all that stuff over there. And then where the Mariners play is on the other side of downtown. It's not super far, but if you're going to a game, the Mariners play right there. And then right next to um, T-Mobile is CenturyLink. Yeah. Now the stadium, the crack house is going to be put. <laughs> they're they're fixing it up. <laughs> they're fixing it up over by the Space Needle. So it's not even in it's a big the main crack area house, where all yeah. the other yeah, it's not even where all the other sports are, so it's kind of on its other little planet okay. over there. But I don't know. The crack house—it's gonna—it's the Kraken, it's the crack house, we're crackheads, and we're gonna be there with the cracker our ass, you know? Wow, God. <laughs> it's gonna be—it's gonna be something. Can't wait for that. Uh, I, that was a good. That was good. We spent a lot of time on it. It's still—it's still a nice issue. Good to see hockey's putting some youth into it, but. Uh, Joe, yeah. let's, let's, even if it's not the Kraken, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to talk about. I know. I, I actually like the crop of nicknames, too. It's I, I just like unique nicknames. I don't want another Wildcats or, or something like that. All right, <laughs> Joe, NHL talk right now. we got to get to some stuff. And, uh, and uh, yeah, the All-Star game's through. Both, both A lot of these teams have played about 50 games right now, so we're getting to the home stretch of what the regular season is going to look like and some new developments and whatnot. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna start bragging right off because the top wild card spot in the East is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, <laughs> never thought that was going to happen. But, uh, yeah, top 10 points in the league right now, just insane. You're, you are so lucky because of that. You lost... <laughs> Corpusalo went down, and you get this dude, Merzlikens, coming in. What, he went Elvis. five games in a row? Elvis was on Elvis. fire. He's, he's, he's doing great. He was vacationing with a very attractive lady. He, life is great for him. <laughs> he, oh, man, I, that's, what, that's what turned it around for you guys. And Cam Atkinson, he's out for a little while, but he came back. and he's Borkstad been comes back. Bergstrand comes back, and he, he scores right away in his games back. I mean, Everyone's stepping up for this team. But, like, look, Tortorella has a pretty level head about this. He's like, we're winning games, we're fighting hard, but we're playing pretty ugly hockey because they are playing like a bunch of grinders because that's the only way they're going to have to win. They don't have the skill that a lot of these teams have. They're going to have to play defensive. I th- I still think – I still think – yeah, I mean, that you're right. That That is their team. But I still think their team defensively, Wierenski and Jones is probably – I'm, not, I'm trying not to be biased. Maybe the best pair, maybe the best young pair in hockey. It, it's up there with the best defensive pairs in all of the NHL. So they have a young team, and they're going to play defensive hockey. If they get good goaltending, I mean, the way the playoffs are set up, we were looking at the standings. It's going to be a dogfight for those last two wild card spots and probably the last spot in the Atlantic Division. So I think it's going to be, a, a, I think other than like Washington, Pittsburgh, Tampa's in a place down in Boston. Those uh, those last four spots could go to about seven teams. No, I yeah, definitely. I love the way that it's shaking up because you can't really you can't really lock it up. You can't lock it down yet. Like the the Maple Leafs, we were talking about them at the beginning of the season as like our cup pit. And they kind of haven't looked great, but Matthews is playing out of his mind. What does he have? Thirty six goals already. Yeah, second to Pastrnak. He's missed some time too. I just want to point out all of our cup picks. We had Leafs. You had. Uh, 
You had stars, I think. I had uh, knights. No, you had stars. I had no. I had I had knights. We both had maple leaves. I don't remember who who's who were your West team. Who was your West team? Uh, Who was my West team? I don't remember. I think you might. I might have bullied you into pick or baited you into picking stars. But regardless, I think all of our cup teams have had their coaches fired, which in hockey doesn't (laughs) in hockey doesn't quite mean the same. It's worked in the past with Daryl Sutter's Kings and uh, Dan Bowles' Penguins winning the cup. I think the Devils in the 90s did the same thing, winning in the same year they fired their coach. And all the teams are pretty much getting better who have fired their coach. Uh, that said, going back to Toronto, yeah, they haven't looked great. They fired Babcock. They've looked better since. And what do they have, 61 points? I mean, they're they're tied with Florida right now. They're, they Florida has two games in hand. But there's going to be time for them to get a wild card spot or a, or a spot in the playoffs. And as Columbus proved last year, just get in, get hot, and see what happens. Yeah, no, exactly. The the one team I want to pick on in the East is the Capitals mm. because I don't I don't believe in them whatsoever, and this is stemming completely from their goaltending. Other than the fact that they have John Carlson, who's been playing out of his absolute mind this year, sixty points. Ovechkin, obviously, always top goal scorer in the league, but Holtby has been absolutely awful this year. And Samsonov has come in spurts throughout the throughout the year and kind of like split some time with him, and he's been playing a little bit better. If they want to really, you know, not fall off, I think they need to make that switch. Holtby has been really bad this year. Well, Eight, he, not, 896 save percentage. He's going to be gone next year, I think. I mean, they're not going to pay him, and somebody will. So this is pretty much it for Holtby. Uh, yeah, the goaltending hasn't been great, but the way the offense has been scoring, how great does it need to be would be the counterpoint to that. Uh, Carlson's been amazing. Ovechkin still has 30 goals. He does that every freaking year. He's going to get to 40-plus again. The East you is fascinating. Expect, but you can't expect – I mean, they're second in goals scored so far this year, the Caps, with 182. But you can't expect to give up five or six goals a game and score – seven or eight goals six or seven goals a game it's just that's too it's too much to have to you know keep up and keep going and there's other teams in the league that can score there's other teams in the east that can score Pasternak on Boston leading the league in goals Matthews Toronto they're right out of the wild card right now but they're tied for the second spot with Carolina he's got 36 goals there's Mm -hmm. other teams that put that put the pucks in the net just that as high as uh the Capitals do. They don't. And granted, they're higher, but that's you know, give or take a couple goals here. There's better goaltending going throughout the rest yeah. of the league. It's definitely a key for concern. Uh, the other news in the East that's pretty crazy is, I, I hate to say it, but Pittsburgh is going to be peaking at the right time. Uh, we wanted to we wanted to mark them for dead. I actually wouldn't do it. I put them in the playoffs begrudgingly, and uh, they held firm with some injuries. Even now with Gensel out, Crosby comes back, picks up where he left off. Uh, you know, just just great stuff there. The Islanders we talked about the last time we were on how they're just they find a way to just keep consistently. There's no lock for them to make yeah. the playoffs either. Uh, how about this stat though? The Boston Bruins at 70 points in the in the Eastern Conference, top of the Atlantic Division by five points over Tampa Bay, 0 and 7 in shootouts. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I mean, if they if they just win a couple of those games, they add a couple points. But they're just a perennially bad shootout team that culminated when Marshawn overskated the puck a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but I mean, I'm realizing now that me picking on Washington, they're first in the East right now. But still, 
No, I get I, it, man. And, and the I, top I, team doesn't usually win. This is what makes the hockey playoff so fun. That is a legit weakness that they're going to have to fix. Uh, goals for, obviously, or actually on the year, the team with the highest goals for for games played is the Florida Panthers, which is insane because they're in the three spot in the Atlantic. We were bullish on their potential to make the playoffs with Quinville and, and some of the additions they had. But Bob Brovsky has been terrible for them. And they're still a top three team. So I don't know whether to be like intrigued, like if he turns it on, are they going to be on fire or are they just holding it together and will they, you know, come back to earth and then miss the playoffs? That That's a team I can't figure out. Yeah, honestly, when I look at them too, when I look at Florida and Washington, you kind of compare them. They're, they're very identical teams from top to bottom. They're very identical. So whatever, whoever, I mean, whoever, whoever steps up, whichever goalie steps up, I think is going to be the game changer for them but yeah like you said bob has been absolutely terrible this year which i don't think they saw coming i'm pretty sure they were like okay we're gonna get this top ledge goalie and we're gonna be able to take the next step and yeah they have taken the next step they're in the playoff hunt right now hooper doe has been great this year barkov another good year and they have a few guys behind him like that and Alvin hoffman who are having a pretty good year 40 point guys so far but i mean it's not all about goals for if you look if you look at them it's it's they're Top and goals for, and their bottom and goals against. And it's the same thing with the Capitals. Mm-hmm. And it's just – but the thing is with the Panthers, they're up there in power play. You know, they're fifth in power play. So right. that might be what's contributing to their success so far. And I want to go back to the Islanders, like you said. Do you think they could possibly get a top goal scorer this year? Brock Nelson's got 20. Maybe he'll get 30. Maybe they'll finally get a 30-goal scorer. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, and, and you know, the trade deadline's coming up, but they don't necessarily need to trade for someone the way that they play either. So, um, Brock Nelson's having a year. Um, Barzal, we we've talked about, but I just I think this team, the way Trotz coaches them, they're they're just a handful. And even though they're only like one point or two points up from the, that Carolina who's in the second wild card, you get the sense that they're not going to go anywhere. You know, and and we should also point out Tampa Bay Joe, who started out terrible, who's been on a tear. And this could be a blessing in disguise that they, that they actually faced adversity this year. No, yeah, for them, that not not running through their competition like they did the last couple of years. It, it, like you said, it's gonna be a positive for them. Braden Point has been great for them recently. Headman, top D man, and the biggest surprise and the biggest contributor for them, I think, that's really turned their season around is Alex Kalorn. No one expected him to come out right now he's got 20 goals 20 assists on this season and he's been really really holding it down for them and them getting that production out of their second line is really what's helping them i'm gonna say though before we go to the west just quickly i'm, I'm gonna say that toronto will we'll get into the playoffs probably get that top three spot and then i'll say columbus florida and the wild card so sorry again to the flyer fans and carolina gets bumped you think Carolina doesn't make it in? No, I. You know they were another team last year that was a feel-good story. I don't know if they have the firepower, and I don't think they play as good team defensively as the Islanders to just get by the way that they've been playing. So I'm going to say they're the team that gets bumped. It's a crapshoot. I mean, even Philly can make a run there. Hayes has been good for them, and they're getting some goaltending. So there's that clear cutoff after Philly. Like Buffalo and those teams are done. Unfortunately, the Rangers aren't going to make it this year, but. Um, yeah, sadly, the Rangers. But they better not trade Kreider away. That'll break my soul. I know. And, and you got D'Angelo who's tearing it up. I mean, there's some promise. Panarin is obviously fun to have. There, there's there's some hope there. Yeah, they got Panarin hanging out in Tulum. Doesn't want to go to the All-Star game. So Kreider had to roll in by himself. But fast skater. 
can't be trading away the best skater. No, no, you can't. Uh, Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali. Let's look at the West. Just some general observations. Number one being uh, the Blues are just the top team now in the Western Conference. We know it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to just roll to the cup again, but the way the Blues are built, it kind of shows you why it's tough to knock them out of a playoff series with their size and their strength. I mean, they're just they're just a tough team. Bennington's on fire. The question being, Joe, who do you think the second best team in the West is in either division? Who do you think can be the team to challenge the Blues in the playoffs? Probably Colorado. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I like but, I like I like McKinnon. I like McCarr, Rantanen. Their team is solid. I think I think Colorado makes a push, but I think the biggest surprise here that we haven't touched on is Vancouver. We we were talking about them as like a fringe maybe a fringe wildcard team and they're top of the Pacific. Did I have them? They're I got to look back. Did I have them as my last wildcard team? I think I might I have. think they were your se- they were your second yeah. wildcard. Yeah, and I think I think I had Minnesota. But the, the thing is <laughs> the west compared to the east. Yeah. It's the same thing. They the spots are all up for grabs. This is a the really bad really bad year for the for the, the uh, central. Like Minnesota and Nashville are out out of the wildcard right now, but they're only 4 points out of first and second. Vegas is holding down that, that top wild card spot right now. Them and Arizona, both 57. Mm. Can you imagine? We have a playoffs right now that have Vancouver, Edmonton, and Arizona right in it. This is unbelievable. Yeah, it's a very down year for the Central. No, never. Uh, neither of us thought Nashville was going to drop out as far as they have. We thought they were going to be... Yeah, uh, down year for the Central Division. I think I, I think we can clearly say that. The, the three teams there are the three teams that I think are going to make it. I don't really see them getting challenged pretty much in that order. I think Blues are going to win the division, Avalanche Stars. We had that, I think, consistently we did for playoff teams. Uh, Nashville's been a disaster. I had Winnipeg on the outside, you know, kind of taking a step back in Minnesota. You know, not really being that good. Chicago's fighting. I mean, they got Patrick Kane, who's still electric, and they got some young talent, Kirby Doc, and, and some of those guys. But I think they're going to be a little too too little too late. So you're looking at yeah, Joe, five Pacific teams in the playoffs. Uh, not the California teams. They're the dead last teams in the conference. One, two, three, <laughs> which is just comedy in itself. The Sharks were where everybody got wrong, myself included. Um, not me. You had them missing, yeah, yeah. I didn't have them. I, I didn't have them making the Cup final. I thought about that though. So, uh, Sharks have been <laughs> a train wreck too. Uh, very, very unfortunate there. But that Pacific Division with Vancouver one, I, I just want to throw out there. There is going to be a lot of seed changing in that division. So Vancouver could very well win the division, but I don't think we're we're set by a long shot. Any one of those five teams can make a run. Even the Coyotes could make a run. They were at top of the Pacific a while back. So that's going to be a fun race. All I want, Joe, more than anything, is, and I don't care what round it is, but I want a playoff series with Calgary and Edmonton. The Battle of Alberta, because last Ooh. night, that was incredible. Yeah, dude. I can't believe they were showing the Kings game instead on live TV. Yeah, they, you know, and, and not to get into the specifics of it, but you pick those things out. Each team has a limited night, and, and you know, we're not going to get into the whole TV broadcasting side of it. It would have been better, we all agree, that they put uh, Flames and Oilers on, but Kachuk having to fight Cassian again in the rematch was great. The teams and the fan bases just hate each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Western Conference, Vancouver's doing it a specific way. They got the talent, but they're actually starting to play a lot better defensively. Still scored 170 goals on the year. So they're, I mean, Quinn Hughes, 
Pedersen. The, the, this team is rebuilt in a very short fashion, quicker than we thought. Uh, Calgary is getting, oddly enough, goaltending themselves. Riddich seems to be the guy there. He's playing very well. And uh, Edmonton in that three spot has the two leading scorers in the National Hockey League. It's it's not just Riddich. Talbot has, come, whenever he comes in, he's been playing pretty solid, too. He was, I think he was star star of the one of the three stars of the month last month. But, yeah, Edmonton was a team we missed on, which was stupid because they have McDavid. But Very dumb. Very, very dumb of us. Very dumb. But him and Dreisaitl, awesome. Dude, them are, they're just amazing. But I honestly don't even know what to say about Edmonton. Like, they're they're not that far up either. They could be they could become the Oilers that we all have come to know, and they could fall out. Like we said, it's a close race from top to bottom in that Pacific Division, and any team can make a run. Any team. Yeah, I like the eight the teams that we have. Year. I like the eight teams in that order. I don't think Winnipeg, Chicago moves up. Uh, Nashville is just a disaster. Vegas, I'm kind of waiting to see. They're a team. Arizona, I think, is going to just fight hard and get that last spot. Vegas could make a run. Like They have talent. They they made the coaching change. They they have some, some cards to play that I think could propel them. But, yeah, Edmonton, you always worry about goaltending and defense, but they're they're just – Frightening. I mean, even last night on a couple plays with McDavid and Settle, they didn't score on. You're just like, whoa, how do we stop this team? How do we keep them bottled up for 60 minutes? Vancouver making a jump, as big of a jump as, as they have made, as quickly as they've made it, it's it's pretty awesome just to see it. Like Patterson, we didn't – I mean, we knew he was a great player. We knew he was going to be awesome coming in. We didn't realize how – amazing it was going to be for them just to have him there and then like like i talked about at the beginning of the season jt miller is like one of the most underrated second line players that there is when the rangers gave him up oh, to the lightning for as a throw-in i was like here we go again here we go again and then he signed and then he signs over with the canucks and he he's got 50 points right now Pedersen 52 miller 50 like he is an integral part of what's going on there in vancouver yeah and boaster too another great player oh yeah just filthy style as well. Yeah, they're get, they're getting a lot of different. They don't really have, you know, I mean, they have Pedersen and, and they have Miller lighting it up, but not at the level of, like, the elite elite in the league. It just shows to their depth up front with high-end talent. That's going to be fun. Uh, this is the last thing on the NHL. The MVP race this year, I mean, McDavid's at the top of it. It sucks that Dreisaitl probably won't be a finalist because McDavid's going to be the guy in his team. But I would say you're looking at McDavid, McKinnon, Pasternak for your top three, which is a shame to John Carlson because he's going to win the Norris. He's going to be, I think, the second American-born player to do so. And, uh, yeah, I think he should be a Norris finalist, but I just don't think the numbers are going to work in his favor this year. No, I totally agree with those top three. Carlson, man, just been been insane. He's been so good. Of all the players – that you thought we were going to have a breakout year. Who who would have thought it would have been Carlson? I mean, he had a great year last year, but he, the fact that he's stepping even more forward this year than he was last year is insane. And sadly, Panarin, not going to be up there in MVP, but he's up there top, top up there in points, 68 points so far this year. Yeah, He's been as good as advertised. Thank you. He has. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, you know holding it down with Panarin while we – push for the playoffs again really appreciate it uh i, <laughs> I do you. think though that mckinnon is the second best player in the nhl 
I'm going to go that far. I think I think we've per- firmly established that, you know, if it wasn't for McDavid, he kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that McDavid's just disgusting as he is. But McKinnon is is so good. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you there. And if McDavid can lead his so-so team into the playoffs right now, and McKinnon's got his team, which I think is definitely deeper and better than what the Oilers have right now. Like I said, I think the Avs, this could be this could be the year. Yeah, well, I mean, the playoff series—they get the Blues in the second round. That's gonna be that's gonna be insane. And and even Avs uh, stars first round. How great would that be? I mean, I'm already getting excited for those playoff series to start because you could have the Battle of Alberta, maybe a little Pittsburgh Washington action. Uh, give Columbus a rematch with Boston in the first round. Oh, I'm already excited. Let's go. Uh, yeah. The fact that the stars are where they are and they're getting absolutely nothing out of Joe Pavelski is amazing. Dude's nothing. got eight goals. Yeah, even, on the even, year. They're getting literally nothing. Yeah, even Perry's giving you some match penalties. <laughs> they're getting nothing out of Pavelski, and that was a big thing. We yeah. were like, oh, wow, they're even deeper than we thought they were going to be. And even even Sagan, he's only got 37. He's their leading points getter right yeah. now. But, it's been bad. Uh, last thing, Joe Crisali, Money Mitch Effect, couple minutes. Just want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl coming up. You know, we talk about these games a lot, and uh, I'm actually more excited for, I think, this football matchup than I've been in a long time. I think part of it's because the Patriots aren't in it. But this is just a fun matchup. A little offense versus defense for you. It's quite literally finally actually the two best teams in the NFL playing each other in the Super Bowl. I just it's, I just look at it like a fight. Like this is this is just a great stylistic matchup, you know. Like I don't and I don't really have a rooting interest. I don't really hate a team like we normally do. So it's just like oh, it's kind of nice. I'm gonna just, just gonna I mean, enjoy I hate it. the Chiefs. Oh, I yeah, hate the Chiefs as a, Bron- as a Broncos but, fan. Yeah. But I mean, I'll, I I'll lose the bias on the game. I mean, just from how the year went, how the year went along, the Niners they were better than everyone. They beat everyone, and they played, even in the games that they lost, every single game that they played, they played it as hard and as well as they could until the very end. And their defense is absurd. And you can call Jimmy Garoppolo a game manager all you want, but we'll go back to saying he was mentored by Tom Brady. He knows exactly what it takes to win. And now we've got Shanahan, who had of the perfect offense for him. They have the perfect mix of running backs. They have guys that, sure, they're not name-brand value, guys like Raheem Mostert, but they come in and they do what they need to do, and they crush it because they feel like they have something to prove. And then you get other guys on the outside like Emmanuel Sanders, who once they brought him in, the team took off. And when they get down in the red zone, what's Kendrick Bourne is the go-to, like of all players, you think. And then obviously they got Kittle. So their defense is amazing, yes. But their offense is just as good as their defense. If you look at Kansas City, their defense has made some strides the last uh, in the playoffs. But And their offense, obviously, amazing with Mahomes. The question is going to be – the question is going to be how do those receivers beat that defense? Because that pass rush – of San Francisco is amazing. And Mahomes, we've seen him being able to scramble. We've seen him being able to get out of pressure. But can he do that for the the entirety of the game? I mean, especially at the level that the 49ers can attack at. Right. 
watching and, watching Bosa in that uh, championship game or in that division game against the Vikings was just absurd. He was in the backfield. You you you, you blink and he's back there. Yeah, you make a lot of good points, and I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, and we talk a little betting on this show later with the next guest, but I just want to say this is a fun matchup. It's a tough one to bet on. Mahomes is scary. That offense is exciting. I like the Niners in this game for a lot of what you just said. Defensively, I think they're great. Uh, I think offensively, it's scary how Kyle Shanahan is on par, maybe even better than Andy Reid at calling plays. Kittle's a weapon. Garoppolo can game manage, and he can make some throws, which we've seen. And, and, and Joe, I just think that defensively, you mentioned Bosa, and he's amazing, but they are so deep at that line that I think that's going to be the big thing is that they can just rotate bodies in and not get tired down the stretch having to deal with Mahomes. I know it's scary to bet against him, Tyreek Hill and all that speed, but I would pick the Niners in this one. I think, that's, I think it's going to be a great close game, but I just like the Niners with their depth, and I like – you know, team football is different than basketball. Probably even more different than hockey in that sense. One guy's not making a difference, and and I'll take the better unit. Exactly, like like you said, it's not just Bosa. They have a ton of talent up there. If he's not getting back there, D Ford's getting back there. If he's not getting back there, Armstead's getting back there. Solomon it's, Thomas, they can just Buckner, Buckner, I mean, Thomas, throw it out there. Keep yeah. going and going and going. So, yeah, and like I said. If you just look at the two teams and you encapsulate everything that they've done the entire season, the 49ers are the better team. They, they've been the better team all year. So I, I think they get it done. I'm with you, dude. I, I think I'm going to go 49ers with you. And Kansas City's a favorite now, but I'm taking that Niners right. money line. There we go, man. This should be fun. Super Bowl is this Sunday. We're excited for that and excited for the hockey season as well. Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for coming on, and uh, future future Kraken season ticket holder, I might add, Joe Crisali. <laughs> I did not put in for season tickets, but I'll, <laughs> hey, if they're the Kraken, I'll still go to the game. He'll get a jersey. He might even paint up and put the tentacles on. Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right, huge thanks to Joe Crisali for coming on the uh, Money Mitch Effect. And uh, again, you know, Kraken, I'm all in. It's crazy. It might not make sense. I just got to see the mascot, the color scheme. But big on that, NHL is uh, is rounding third. And uh, and I'd say rounding third, but we're getting to the crunch time of the regular season, so it's going to be fun to watch. And as always, the Super Bowl picks are worth noting. Too many people agree with me on the Niners. I'm starting to, to figure that out. Well, we're going to keep it going with the Super Bowl. Talk to Matt Gothard, Yahoo Sports. He hosts the Mad Bet Show. He's a very, very good, sharp mind in the world of gambling. And we're going to break down our favorite prop bet, Super Bowl 54 Miami, Chiefs and Niners. Matt Gothard now to break down the gambling side of things on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect. We're talking Super Bowl, Super Bowl betting, props, the game itself, with my buddy, host of Mad Bets on Yahoo Sports, Matt Gothard. Matt, nobody else to talk to for this. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. It's, it's been too long. I miss, uh, I miss being on your podcast. Dude, I know. I miss, uh, I miss the gang coming together and, and talking betting this year. It was uh, you know, a good year for all of us, you know, following college football, especially in the NFL. But yeah, miss that year like last year when me, you, and that really troubled soul Kent Brown just came together and uh, talked the game. So it's good we're able to do this now. 
Yeah, it's nice that we don't. The only positive is we don't have to listen to Kent anymore. Yeah, so that's, that's nice. <laughs> sometimes I just <laughs> call. Him, sometimes I just call him and I mute the call, so then like you know I know that he can't hear me, so it's kind of nice. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're calling because of the Super Bowl, and I was just having this discussion earlier on the show about how. It's kind of an exciting game. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Patriots aren't in it. Uh, but this is a very, very fun game from a football standpoint. And I think from a betting standpoint, too. Because the line is about as close as I can remember it being, and it's pretty much stayed the same way. I'm seeing still Chiefs at about a one-point favorite, give or take where you get action. But with that with that as kind of like the benchmark, are you surprised that the line hasn't moved one way or the other? You know, I so earlier this week when I was working on, on the show, I was doing some more uh, research, and I saw that there's only been six backdoor covers in the history of the Super Bowl, which is insane. So pretty much, you know, I'm kind of just throwing the line out the window and looking for more value. And so when I look at for, you know, if I'm picking one of these teams straight up to win, laying 120 for the Chiefs is not nearly as enticing as getting plus 105 uh, with the Niners. So I think I would go with San Francisco. Uh, even though it's kind of the lame bet, it's, you know everybody wants to bet on Mahomes and the Chiefs, but I kind of like the the slow, grinded out San Francisco game. Plus, I love that defense. Yeah, that was my pick to win this game. Uh, I, I realistically speaking, I don't feel like, and that just shows you how good this game is. That I would be in love with either bet. I think this is a, is a close game, but I'll take the better team. I think history's shown us that the teams that are better, the defense, the Maybe the less exotic team kind of usually wins these games. I know it's hard to bet against Mahomes. The fact that you don't have to worry about really points being a factor is kind of nice. So uh, I'm with you. I think the Niners is the right play here. And uh, I do think that the way Shanahan coaches this game is going to be interesting to see because the last time he was on this stage as an offense coordinator, it ended horribly. So I think well, I think this is going to be did. good. I think it's going to be good to see. Will Reed get his first Super Bowl? Will Shanahan, you know, avenge what happened and and really get the Niners up? So it'll be good. Uh, but we're going to talk props too because I think that's the other side of this. Why this day is so fun. And we were talking beforehand that there's a couple props we like off the bat. The timeout one. I mean, you gotta you gotta break me down with that because that is <laughs> that's perfect. I didn't even think about that. Oh, it's amazing. It's it's just it's easy money. Uh, is what this is. There's the prop bet of who is going to call the first timeout in the game, and we all know that it's going to be Andy Reid and the Chiefs because Andy Reid in these big games is horrible with clock management. So we know there's going to be eventually one play where the play clock comes down to two or one, and Mahomes just has to call a timeout. I think the Niners are going to be a lot more in control of the game clock, and so they might be running plays you know, at the end of the game clock, but I don't think they're going to be forced to call a timeout nearly as fast as Andy Reid and his clock management will. So that's it. my that's my prop bet of the, the day. I love it. I love it. I think that's a great one. Uh, I actually don't, and we can kind of get into it, but I'm not really big into the coin toss Gatorade bath ones. I just feel like it's too much to chance. <laughs> like it's basically like, you know, putting your money on a roulette number. You know, I just don't, I'd rather kind of, I love props, but I'm, I'm more so like the ones that involve actual football, you know, some some statistical ones some odds on who might win like MVP or how many touchdown passes are going to be thrown uh, timeouts though. There's some strategy there. So I do, I do enjoy that one. Yeah. And, and, and heads I think is for sure a lock. I mean, I, we, I know we've been saying this for a while, but sales never fails, but it's the Super Bowl. It's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. So I like heads as a, as a dark sleeper and probably purple Gatorade for Kobe Bryant. Purple. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, could be yellow, but yellow and purple are the good ones for sure. Um, as far as on the field, I want to just start with this one. The MVP odds, 
obviously, if the Chiefs win, if, if you think the Chiefs are going to win this game, Mahomes, even at plus 120, is a smart smart bet to make. But we both like the Niners in this game. Who do you think the, the, the smart bet is? Jimmy G is about plus 300, Mostert plus 550. After that, uh, it really gets up into the into the odds. I have an idea who you might Am pick, I... but I'm curious to see who it would be. Yeah, I think I think you probably know uh, mm-hmm. who I'm going to take, mm-hmm. which is it's just crazy. But I, it's a long shot. But I like Kittle, man. Mm-hmm. I think I could see Kittle popping off two touchdowns, and that might be enough to win the MVP in this one. Especially if it's a low-scoring game. I was thinking about taking the under. If it's a low-scoring game, uh, and somehow you're going to get a touchdown, I, I mean, I feel like they're going to have to target him. So I like Kittle. Yeah, Kittle's a good one. I think uh, Mostert, if they run the ball heavy at 550, is good value. And I think Bosa's good, too, because at plus 1,800, we've seen defensive players win the MVP. If you can create a turnover, you know, make one big monster play, wreak some havoc, it's just going to be interesting to see what type of game this is. But Kittle's smart, man, because they're going to – I don't think they're going to be able to just run the ball down Kansas City's throat. I know we kind of clowned a little bit on Kansas City's defense earlier this year, but – I just don't think they're going to be able to win just by running the ball. So I do think Kittle's going to have to be a uh, have to be a player for sure. What about the first? Absolutely. What about the first touchdown props? On that note, do you like Kittle to score for the Niners? Do you do you kind of target just first touchdown of the game, or do you go team specific to kind of get your odds better? What's your strategy here? Yeah, I was I was just talking about this, and, and you know I, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but I I was thinking about two major players to bet for both the both the first uh, touchdown and then the, also the last touchdown are Kittle and Kelsey because I think uh, either one, I think both are like plus 800 or something for both both of those bets. Yeah. Uh, you got to think early on it's going to be a tough game. And so to get that first touchdown, especially in the red zone, those two guys are monsters. So I look for, I would probably bet on one of those two to score the first touchdown and then, you know, maybe throw in a, a extra player or two, but uh, you know, I, I think, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, tough game. And if that's the case, tight ends are going to be really key. I like for – these are the ones I kind of do like to go long shot because you don't really know what kind of strategy is going to – or what kind of craziness is going to happen to get the first touchdown. For the Niners, I think Debo Samuel plus 1,400 for the first touchdown is kind of a good bet. And Ooh, the, you know, yeah, I like that. And, and for the Chiefs, maybe a little Sammy Watkins action at plus 1,600 because – Mahomes kind of does spread it out, and and I'm just I'm also thinking of it strategically. Like how do how do the Niners want to defend Tyreek Hill? They might be bracket coverage. It might be tough to get him the ball. Maybe Watkins is the one that they get you know, open with. I mean, it, these these are the fun ones for me for sure. You can get defensive touchdowns at about twenty two twenty five hundred as well if you want to really f- ambitious. See, I would take that for the full game, but for the first touchdown is tough. Stuff to lay any points on the defensive score. Yeah, man, I I, I really. Uh, I really believe that. I know we're kind of bouncing around, but we, we mentioned the exotic ones. I, I do want to want to ask you this question. Who's the MVP going to mention first in this speech? Ooh, Trump. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't uh, see I his think... odds on here. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, I think God or, yeah, I think is God on there. Yeah, God is the yeah, second option. Teammates is first. Teammates about plus yeah. one twenty, got about two twenty five, family at eight hundred, city at five fifty. Ooh, city could be good. If it's Kansas City, Kansas Ooh, City hasn't won in over in fifty four years, right? Fifty years, so hmm. That's true. I could see that I could see that coming through. But I think if Kittle wins the MVP, uh I could see a real good, you know, I want to thank God and all the people that have supported me, but that, I think God's coming out first. So sign me up for the for the man upstairs. 
Okay, I like it, man. <laughs> I, I like it. I think we got some good. We got some good starts here for some props. Uh, any and and while we're on the topic, any halftime props you're looking at? You know, J Lo Shakira. I'm a pretty big fan of this halftime show. I just want to get that out there. Yeah, yeah. What are you? What are you? What are your favorite prop bets for the halftime? Let's see. Um, I would say if we're looking at total number of songs, it's about eight or so is the over under. All right, all right. I like over. You like over. Okay. Here's another one. How many songs? Going to try to get get the most out of it. How many songs will be performed in Spanish? One and a half is the line. Over under. Ooh, over. Yeah, it's a pretty big favorite at minus three hundred. We are. It is in Miami, and you know both Spanish speakers. and then, of course, the best one. You can bet on which J-Lo song will be sung first. Mm. Ooh. There's a couple options. On the floor is like the big hit. Jenny from the Block is second. My pick would be the third one on this list. Let's Get Loud. Feels like the right halftime song for Miami. I like that, too, to get get the get the vibe going. Plus, you got to have a little bit of value. You can't take like the major favorite in uh, on these kind of prop bets because you know that it probably won't hit. <laughs> Will DJ Cowan make an appearance? That that's prop. Ooh, what's what's yes? It's only plus one seventy five. Knows minus two sixty. So it's not like crazy. Hmm. I feel like I've never been more confident that he'll make an appearance. You can get all the great. Right you can get all the great ones like Will Will Smith show up at the halftime show. And okay. will and will Shakira right. and J Lo be twerking at any point of the halftime show? This is an actual prop. What are the odds for that one? Plus one seventy. Man, that is not that high. Mm. Uh, if, I guess, I might, maybe would say yes. I don't know. That, that one I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stick away from. As a married okay. man, I'm sticking away from that. Okay. And the last one. The <laughs> last, that's true. That's where way to play the way to play the field. Uh, but I do think though that the best one is: Will they address the audience in Spanish first? That's no. a, that's a, that the odds are only plus one fifty yes minus two hundred no and so that's like the gray area you know every year there's these like the anthem length and everything like how are we gonna I don't even actually know who sings the anthem this year but there's always that gray area right and I feel like addressing the audience first in Spanish something weird might happen where they say something in Spanish yeah. and then they address the you know like I feel like that's gonna be a setup I'm pretty sure it's like isn't it Demi Lovato for the uh, yeah, that is right, national yeah. anthem yeah. And they have like film on her. They've like done like the average. I think she's saying that the national anthem a few times, and it's looking like it's going to be over. But who knows? Every year, every year, I'm kind of <laughs> sad that we don't have uh, the Giselle prop anymore. You know, that's the one thing about the uh, the Patriots yeah. not being in there because I usually would win that hitting the over. How many times they're going to show her? And uh, it, you know, it usually it usually hits. But um, you learn how to survive. Any other, any, any other props we should cap <laughs> any other props we should look at before we get to the like player props, for example? Anything you're looking at, uh, yards, I, touchdowns, or something like that? I kinda like also betting that the game goes to overtime. Ooh. It's gonna be a low scoring low scoring game. I feel like very, very uh strategical game. So overtime might not be completely out of the picture. What, what could be of, a five dollar bet. What know? kind of action can we Maybe. get for overtime? I think it's like plus twelve fifty or something, or maybe it might even be more than that. Do you like the? Uh, oof, wow, that's 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 great value. Do you like? I mean, the traditional over under in this game is forty five and a half. We haven't really talked about that. Do you have a read on that one way or the other? Uh, 
It's, you said it's 45 and a half or is it 54, 54 and a half? Sorry, 54 and a half. Because if it's 45 and a half. <laughs> no, you're betting everything. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I know. 54 and a half, I will definitely be taking the under. Okay. I, mean, I, under. I think if you if you think the 49ers going to win, yeah. you got to think that it'll probably go under. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I, one of the bets I actually do like is over over one and a half over one and a half first half field goals. It's only minus one twenty. But I feel like we a game like this especially, both these teams haven't been in the Super Bowl. There's gonna be a feeling out period. And I feel like even no, the I Chiefs agree. are gonna slow down a little bit in the red zone. So I uh, I do like that. I saw, one. I saw a bet on uh Bet MGM that said, Will the Chiefs score in every single quarter? And it's like um no, probably not. It was almost even money. Will the game be tied at halftime is plus 700. What? Yeah. Will the game be tied at halftime plus 700? You know, that makes sense, though, because if you're going to bet overtime, it's about 800 to 1,000. Yeah. So if you're going to bet a tie, you know, 700. But I, I, I like that, especially some... in a game, you know, with halftime, they don't know. Yeah, and I'm trying to find the bet. I don't really know what the payout is, but it's basically like, will all of it? I think it's. I think it's usually about like even. It's just a fun bet. Will all the touchdown yardage add up to like? I, I feel like the. I feel like the yardage is about like seventy to eighty yards total for touchdown plays. It's kind of a fun one because all it takes is one big one and you've just destroyed it. But a lot of times it's like right on the money. Yep. Yep. What about no, your, that's a tough one, man. What about your what about a big touchdown, a touchdown of longer than like forty yards, for example? This seems like it's one where it almost like it almost seems too good to be true. Like the Chiefs are playing, everyone expects a Tyree kill monster bomb, but you know, you always gotta be careful with that one. That's why I, I just I'm staying away from those, you know, just because the Chiefs are playing bets. You know, the over Chiefs winning, also like a forty yard touchdown. I really think they're going to be slowed down, so I'm, I'm going to stay away from that one. Well, if you like slowed down, i got a prop for you for, for Niners friendly one. If there's no scoring in the last first the last two minutes of the first half by either team, it's plus 290. I like that. Yeah, I definitely see, like that. I mean, it's kinda, 290? Yeah, plus 290. So something to think about there. Uh, just a couple quick player props that we can kind of go through, too, as well. Uh, for As far as like yardage and uh, you know touchdowns and what have you. Um, I like this one too. Emmanuel Sanders will his first t- will his first catch be more or less than ten and a half yards? I kind of like less because they give it to him out of the backfield like quite a bit. Thinking less. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like less a lot more than that, more. That's the one. That, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's the one I like. Debo Samuel's longest reception over under is twenty seven and a half yards. Um, there's another one to kind of look at, and uh, you can also play. Where's the one on Mostert? Whether he will, or sorry, Jimmy G. I was going to look at this one too. Whether his first pass pass will be complete or incomplete, intercepted. Complete. Com- completes minus two twenty. So a little higher there for him, oh. but yeah, you can't yeah. really get the. Odds no, I wouldn't lay that juice. But if you think Jimmy G. will throw a touchdown before Patrick Mahomes, it's plus one forty. Will yeah. Jimmy G. have yeah. the first touchdown between those two uh, as well? So uh, there's some good ones. There anything we missed before we wrap this up? Um, I don't think so, man. I think uh, I think we pretty much covered it all, except for uh, third quarter. Who do you think is going to win that third quarter? Straight up. Ooh, that's the a most big one. Bet. 
I actually, yeah, <laughs> I actually would probably say just to hedge Chiefs in that one, because if I think the Niners are going to win this game, I feel like they're going to get off to a great start. You know, and then the Chiefs yep. come in and probably win the third. That'd be a nice little hedge action too, uh, for people yeah. out there. You no, feel like you Reed, do... Andy Reid would make some adjustments. Yeah, he usually like that's what happened in that Patriots game too last year in the AFC title game. They started out so slow, they did really good in the third. Um, do you like any of the cross sports bets, by the way? Uh, I haven't seen any that stick out to me, but that's mainly because the NBA has been so up in the air right now. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't true. been uh, betting on NBA as much. That's true. Uh, the one that I just saw, I just want to throw out there, is uh, Ben Simmons points, rebounds, assists versus the Celtics versus Tyreek Hill's longest reception. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Ooh. I like Tyreek. Longest reception, though, not total? No, yeah, just the longest play that he'll make in the game. Even I like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I kind of do, too. I know. I kind of look at that one as well. Uh, and then lastly, you know, we we got to just wrap it up with some funny ones. You know, you mentioned that the MVP, we mentioned the coin toss and everything. Um, will the announcers on Fox mention the point spread? Ooh, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, this is one where say- now it's legal and you can kind of, you know, and, and they have their own gambling shows and, and you know, I think they'll mention it. Uh, in the past, this would have been one where, like, you know, Al Michaels or somebody just danced around it, like he mentioned it without mentioning it. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I like yes, I like yes. It's a it's a modern time. Oh and, wow! You know, uh, here's one right <laughs> up. Yeah, exactly. Here's one right up your alley. Largest wager taken by Nevada sports books: two million or or less, or more. I think Mattress Max uh, just got that million in on the. On the Niners, right? So the, uh, the, it's over under is two million. Do you think there'll be a bigger bet than two million in Vegas? No, I think it'll be under. But I, that's where I'm going to be, man. I'm going to be at the Mirage. Uh, nice, dude. Monitor, helping monitor the wagers coming in. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, you know, we'll see what's up. But yeah, I think under under two million. I think I think one that we can kind of agree on, and it's a good way to put a bow on this, would be to both. Go in plus one forty is somebody other than a QB winning the MVP. Oh wow! So that's, that's not, those aren't bad. That makes me feel better about the 49ers winning. Right, and it, yeah, and if you you know you can make your you know you can make your Kittle or Bosa or whoever bet you know even Tyree Kill and uh, Mostert and still kind of hedge like kind of cover your bases a little bit. So as long as a Q, QB doesn't win, you don't get burned. Um, but I'm excited for this game, and uh, congrats on going out to Mirage. That'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Hopefully, I can survive. I mean, it's only three days, so three days. Nothing, you got to get ready for March. You got to get ready for March Madness. You got a lot more time than that there. So I know, I know. I can't even think about that right now. Though. Just, just uh, you know, on to Miami. <laughs> All right, Matt Gothard. Check him out on Mad Bets at Yahoo Sports. Uh, making some great picks. The Gold Rush had a great year this year. And, uh, yeah, great job. Give the fellas, uh, except for Kent, tell, say hi to everybody else, but don't say hi to him. <laughs> All right, will do, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. Huge thanks to Matt Gothard. Big help getting me in the right headspace to take a look at some bets for the Super Bowl. Hope you guys all take his advice. Pays to, let me tell you that. Uh, Super Bowl 54 looking good, so thanks again for him to break down some prop bets there in that Chiefs Niners showdown this Sunday. Now we're going to talk to Brandon Marcus, Hoopball Clips podcast host. 
has a lot of different projects he works on, does a lot of play-by-play as well. And uh, we're going to talk about Kobe. It's, uh, it's a tough topic to get to. I recorded this on Tuesday, uh, talking about the loss of Kobe Bryant and an immeasurable loss in the sports world. His daughter, Gigi, tragic. Another girl lost her life on that uh, helicopter crash, as well as a total of nine people. So we'll break that down, try to tell our favorite Kobe stories, what we're going to remember, what we're going to miss about him, and then what the NBA picture looks like, the standings, the seating, how we're going to get for the second half of the season and the trade deadline as well. It's Brandon Marcus now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, a good friend of mine to talk some hoops, some serious and, and non-serious topics here. From the Hoopball Clippers podcast, Brandon Marcus, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Normally, uh, I've got the good quality mic, but having to uh, change things up for today. So apologies to all the listeners that the mic quality is not up to uh, up to par here. You know what though, we, we make it work. We you know your schedule, my schedule. It's kind of hectic. You're ready to you know fly across the Pacific Ocean and uh, you know go to uh-huh. Hawaii. So and I'm on Australian time, so we had to make this work. You know, I, I think everyone will understand. Yeah, of course. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I made the time here because. This whole, uh, man, the last couple of days have just been crazy. As someone that grew up here in L.A., born yeah. and raised in L.A., um, I was a Laker fan growing up until the early 2000s, probably about 2003, 2004. And then to see this happen, man, it's just devastating. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just start with, uh, you know, obviously what we're talking about, the Kobe Bryant death, which is uh, weighing heavily on the, on the minds of sports fans everywhere. And, and Brandon, I don't know that there's a sadder sports day that I can think of in my lifetime. Um, no. I, I don't, I don't want to speak to things I don't know about, like Roberto Clemente and, and, and you know, Thurman Munson and those names. But in our, and we're about the same age in our lifetime, there hasn't been anything close to this. No, and I mean, I've heard Roberto Clemente, I've heard Magic Johnson announcing he's got HIV. Those are the two that have really stood out the most um, over the last couple of days in terms of figures that I've heard of. And uh, I mean, I wasn't around for either of those. I wasn't old enough and to have this happen. And, and I think the the saddest part about it, I mean, there's, there's so many different sad parts about it, but yeah. the fact that it was just so unexpected Mm-hmm. And for him to be just an icon, and you now have been someone that has been immersed in the L.A. culture for several years now, and it's different for someone that has been in L.A. and it lives in L.A. and understands what Kobe meant to L.A. and what that last game of the season where he went off for 60 against Utah, what that meant to L.A. and why the fans were going crazy. It's He is the most popular Laker alongside Magic Johnson. And everyone's talked about how, I mean, you can refer to him as one name. It's Kobe. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just basketball for him, man. It was just, he was an icon in LA through everybody's eyes. It didn't even matter if you were a Lakers fan, if you were a basketball fan. And now what he was doing for the women's game of basketball, I mean, with WNBA, with college basketball and his relationship with Sabrina Ionescu and the Oregon Ducks. I mean, he was doing so much post-basketball career that was matching the dedication to his craft that he had during his actual playing career. Yeah, um, everything you said is is very accurate. And and I just want to comment on my, you know, situation with all this. Being in L.A., I understand. Like, I didn't have the personal connection to Kobe that – 
everybody in this city did. Uh, I admired him from afar just as a competitor. Uh, but when you live out here and you see what he means, and, 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 I, and I get it. I totally get it. This is the, the, the favorite sports hero, definitely of a generation uh, of L.A. sports fans who grew up. I mean, think about people our age. I mean, that's 20-plus years of playing and then being in the media. He was in the limelight. He was in L.A. And like a lot of athletes, or unlike a lot of athletes, I should say, Brandon, he never left. He, he stayed in L.A. He stayed at various functions he'd go to Dodger games he'd go to Kings games he was in the city he was you know the other thing too is he was developing this post basketball life that I think was was just starting to get going you know and I don't even know mm-hmm. that you would have expected that when he came into the league and even at some of the the heyday the Shaq Kobe three-peat era where this was going to be a guy that his life after basketball was going to keep building he had won an academy award you mentioned he was a champion of the women's game he was in his kid's life had the academy did the show detail on espn so he was just getting going off the off the court and you know, there is a lot of sad things to this i don't want to prioritize by any means but it, it is just it's tragic in a lot of ways and one of them being we we both thought i think that Kobe would be around the game of basketball and in our lives on TV in different platforms and media for years to come. And now, sadly, in an instant, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, and people were even saying that maybe one day he could have been the WNBA commissioner um, and what he could have brought even further to the WNBA because, I mean, his daughter was ticketed to go to UConn and from UConn become one of the best WNBA players we've seen. I mean, she was that good. And you mentioned that I don't know if he even knew that he was going to be doing this much post his career. I mean, you look at the interview yesterday with uh, Tracy McGrady on the jump and he was saying how Kobe told him that he wanted to die young because he wanted to be immortalized. And that was young Kobe. That was not the father of four Kobe, the four daughters that he has Kobe, the Mamba Academy Kobe, the like you said the oscar winner kobe he's done so much post-career that i don't think he envisioned but he grew older and older and got more and more mature and was just such a good family man and did so much to try and be involved with his family and now it's it's all taken away and we we all have our kobe stories if you grew up in la and Mm -hmm. I remember when I was an intern for CBS KCAL because KCAL used to show the games, and I was just this college kid that got a chance to go into the locker room post game, and the Lakers were about to play the Blazers on a back to back, and the Lakers had performed poorly in Portland. I mean, the Rose Garden was a place that was really a house of horrors for them, sure. and nobody was asking any questions to Kobe when he got out of his, the shower and he was dressed, and I was like, "All right, I'm going for this," and I asked him what they could do to get over those struggles in Portland. And he gave a legit answer to a kid that was just Mm -hmm. in college. And it just showed the type of person he was and the dedication to his craft. And he just loved talking about basketball. Yeah. And, and I do, I am glad you mentioned, you know, the McGrady thing and, and what he said and, and where, and basically how he evolved that that's what I keep coming back to. Obviously, you know, any, any person on this earth is going to grow, is going to make mistakes and learn from them. Kobe was no exception. I think what, what says it all to me is that this was a guy that continued to get better with age. Not, I'm not even talking on the court right now. I mean, off the court, he was becoming a family man and, and he was in his daughter's lives and he was doing all this stuff. And 
and really branching out as a person. I think that's what makes this whole thing sad and, and really human in a way is that Kobe wasn't necessarily the most perfect being, but he kept evolving. He got better. He learned from his mistakes. There's no, and, and I keep coming back to this, Brandon, there's nobody perfect out here. And for us to just nitpick each people when they die, what, what they could have done better, that could happen for anyone. I, I just look at that quote illuminated that to me that Tracy McGrady said, like, yeah, that was young Kobe, but he got older. As you said, he got the family and, and he wanted to do more and more in his post-basketball career. Uh, and I think we also saw it in the fact that he inspired a generation of hoopers, a generation of athletes, not just NBA players. Look at all the people that were affected by his death, football players, hockey players, obviously basketball players. This was, as they say, their Jordan. This was the guy they grew up wanting to be like. Yeah. Yeah, you said it spot on. It's right. It's He's one of the figures that is the face of sports, not just the NBA, but just sports in general. I mean, this is a guy that defined L.A. He defined hard work. He defined someone that was an athlete that wanted to win and other athletes wanted to build their character after him. I mean, everyone talks about the mom mentality and the will to win, and then if you're not putting it forth the work – then you're not going to win titles. And a lot of these guys come into the league, whether it's an NBA, the NHL, the NFL, because they want to win. And, I mean, Kobe, even in soccer, I mean, AC Milan was one of his favorite teams. And so they were honoring him by wearing a black uh, black patch, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all over the place. It's not just the United States. It's China. It's Europe in terms of whether it's in Italy. Even the people over in London – they don't really follow much basketball, but they know of Kobe Bryant, and it shows you his reach is all over the place in this world. It sure is, uh, and, and the Mamba mentality that you that you mentioned, I think it's something that everybody, not just in sports, can take something from. And even before it became a thing, it's what people like myself, you know, growing up in the Midwest playing sports, you, you looked at a guy like Kobe, and whether you rooted for his team or you rooted against his team, like like I did a lot rooting in those in those Spurs-Lakers rivalries or, you know, everybody that had a stake one way or the other in the Lakers games that Kobe played in, they saw what he was, and that was a competitor that refused to lose, that obviously put time into his craft to make himself the best version of himself that he could be. And I think that's what what my legacy of Kobe the competitor is going to be, that this was somebody that was ruthless out there that would would put in the hard yards to get what he needed to. And, uh, you know, I I just, I'm sad that this guy is gone, and I'm sad that, that, you know, I'm sad that all the, the the entire tragedy happened. But if there's one, if there's one blessing in all this, Brandon, it's that, you know, in death, you never really get to you never really get to see what happens in death on how appreciated you are. But the level of appreciation for Kobe is outstanding. And, and props to everybody who spoke up and said something as emotional, as hard as it can get from Shaq to LeBron to D-Wade to all these other athletes, all these other figures. He was really appreciated, really respected throughout all walks of life. Yeah, he was. And you just have to look at I mean, I've been watching as much as possible over the last couple of days, and whether, like you said, it's a guy like Shaq uh, who was in tears on the TNT pregame show, or it was somebody like Jerry West, where Kobe was basically like a son to him. He touched so many people's lives, and you make a good point that when you're alive, you don't get to hear what people are going to say about you, and then you pass away, and everybody eulogizes you, and they see all these nice things about you, and people can go on and on and on, and 
this death affects everybody. I mean, my mom was crying when Kobe died, and she still is having a hard time sleeping just thinking about it because of somebody that's a mother and has children. I mean, it has so many different ways you can look at this, whether it's Kobe the athlete, Kobe the father, Kobe the person after basketball and what he was doing. And it's it's just awful. It really is awful, and it's unexpected, and it's tragic, and the way it happened was just so terrible. I mean, just he was so close to where he was going to be uh, in that helicopter. I mean, he was only about five, ten miles away from where he was going to land, and, and now it's, a life is taken and eight other lives are taken, which are just so terrible if you think about three young girls yeah. that were killed on that plane, on that uh, helicopter. It's, it's just sad, man. It's really sad. Yeah, it is. Um, and again, prayers to, to all the families of the victims, all nine of them, uh, especially children deaths are just, just tragic. You know, you don't, you almost get the sense like they haven't really gotten new experience life yet, but, um, the outpouring of emotion uh, of remembrance has been, has been great. And, uh, you know, he, he will not be forgotten. I think we will be immortalizing Kobe for a very long time and deservedly so. Um, Brandon, before we kind of switch topics on the lighter notes, I do want to mention some, and I'll start with this. If you have some of those favorite Kobe moments, I know they re-aired the last game and it was great to see. A little tough to see at times because the family was there. But other moments that you think stand out in your in your remembrance of Kobe on the basketball court, things that stick out of him just being completely dominant? Well, I remember the finals. I mean, 2000, 2002, I was rooting for those Lakers as hard as possible. I remember where I was when Robert already hit the three. Um, just Kobe's ability to take over. Um, I remember the dunk where he, stunk, where he uh, stuck out his tongue. Uh, like you said, that last game, I remember being on the couch and watching that, and the 81-point game against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that those are obviously huge moments. And even when he was about to become a Clipper in free agency, and he was super close to becoming a Clipper, and Jerry West revealed today that he was the one that told Kobe, you don't want to go play for that owner. And so you wonder what would have happened if Donald Sterling wasn't the owner, if Kobe would have been a Clipper. Wow. And frankly, it, it's for the best that he stayed a Laker his entire life. And just him kicking the Clippers' ass whenever he was on the floor. I mean, the one thing about Kobe is that you hate him when you're playing against him. I mean, I, there was no athlete that I've proved harder against than Kobe Bryant um, over the last 10, 15 years when he was playing. And at the same time, you respect the hell out of him yeah. because he is just that good of a competitor. So just all, all the times I got a chance to watch him and – just he and Shaq together hugging, embracing, and Chick Hearn on the call for the early years of Kobe and Shaq. It's just all those memories are ones that are great. And I'll always have my two, the two jerseys I got growing up were Nick Van Exel and Kobe Bryant. And oh, man. those are the two guys I looked up to growing up. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Kobe as a competitor, this guy would, would go nuts in all-star games. That was how he was wired. And, and I'm going to miss that because you, really, you don't really see that anymore. You know, making the free, sh- free throws after he tore his Achilles. And then talk yep. about toughness. I mean, it, it, it went unmatched. There wasn't a pound-for-pound pound, uh, better you know, definition of competitor in his era than Kobe. Uh, I'm going to try to to dial back some of my favorite memories off the rip. You remember that uh, game in Portland where Kobe just won the division basically by himself in 2002? He, yeah. I mean, he... he that was... It, it, I was it's crazy. I mean, Portland was a place that he, they couldn't win recently, 
but he he made them cry basically in the early 2000s. Yeah, that was one that stands out to me, the 60 and three quarters against the Mavericks. Um, you know, and, yep. and honestly, like the thing about Kobe that I appreciate the most are, are some of the teams that weren't even great were the effort that he gave. Like in 06 when they weren't really that good and he was like, what was he averaging, like 35 a game in an era that wasn't yeah, and, as as good as, as custom to scoring as it is now? I mean, he was unstoppable. Yeah, you, you look at his teammates. I mean, he's had Slava Medvedenko. He had Mark Madsen. I mean, he had some really bad guys on his yeah, team. Almost beat that um, Suns and, team. Yeah, and he was such a competitor. I know. I'm. I'm gonna look also at uh, the first memory I have of Kobe as an eight-year-old. Uh, his rookie year dunk contest, actually in Cleveland, Ohio, he wins that, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, this Kobe guy is something. And then who would have known that? That we see it all the time. The young upstart player that, oh, this guy's got potential, but 20 years of just putting in the time and and really becoming becoming an all-time great. And uh, it, it, we can end with this. It's going to be very unfortunate that he's not going to be at his Hall of Fame speech, at his Hall of Fame in, in yep. Russian. But uh, the outpouring of support he's going to get there will probably be unmatched. It will be a great celebration of his life in basketball. And, uh, and it will undoubtedly, I think, be the greatest Hall of Fame class we've ever seen. Yeah, and I was saying that to a friend earlier um, that we're robbed not only of his life, but he would have given such a good speech, and now we'll never hear it. And he's not even going to be alive to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is just horrible. I mean, the year that he was going to get inducted, he's not going to get a chance to be there, which is it's so sad. It is. It is. Uh, again, thoughts to everybody in that accident. We're going to try to do our best to, to move on. Uh, but Kobe is uh, is a legend forever, and uh, he didn't mm-hmm. need his death to, to establish that. That guy was an absolute legend. It means a lot and will always mean a lot to the city of Los Angeles and to the sport of basketball and beyond. Uh, Brandon Marcus here on the Money Mitch Effect. We'll try to kind of keep it a little lighter in the, in the last couple minutes here because I do want to get your thoughts on what's going on in the NBA right now. Uh, interesting how, you know, I've been paying attention to this, not as much as you, obviously, but how the standings have been going. And uh, it seems like in the West, everyone's gearing up for that L.A. versus L.A. battle for the crown to get to the final. Is there anything that could deter that, or are you looking at Clippers-Lakers conference final? The health of LeBron, A.D., Kawhi, and P.G., the, the, those are the only factors. Right, and I guess right the I guess the only reason stuff. that I would bring that up is because maybe it's an indictment on the other teams. Like Denver and Utah just haven't really shown us enough to to be a real threat. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, we were talking before the season, Mitch, and we were talking about Utah, and I was saying this team's not as deep as people think. Mm. And then they went and traded for Jordan Clarkson, which is actually a really good deal for them because they got someone that can give some scoring off the bench and someone that can get him a bucket late in games along with a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Mike Conley has not been what they thought they were going to be getting from Memphis. Um, and then you look at Denver, which seems to have holes left and right. Paul Millsap can't stay healthy. Jamal Murray is hurt. Jokic was out of shape for the first month or two of the season. And Houston, I mean, it really seems like trading away Chris Paul was a bad decision based on the way that Westbrook and Harden are playing together. Yeah. But at the same time, those two guys can win a game by themselves in the playoffs. Uh, but you really look at the balance of a team, and the Clippers and Lakers are the two teams that I think are ticketed for a first-round matchup. The only thing is now with the Clippers is they're worried about Paul George and when he's going to come back. Um, I had Justin Russo, who covers the Clippers on the uh, Hoopball Clippers pod yesterday, and he doesn't think 
PG comes back until the All-Star break, which kind of surprised me. Um, I think he comes back sooner than that. But it just shows you that these teams are going to do whatever possible to make sure that their stars are healthy. And if they are healthy, then you would think the Clippers and Lakers would be the two teams that would meet in the Western Conference Finals. It's crazy because you look at the West standings especially and you think of a lot of these teams that are muddled together. Some are just overachieving. Like you look at the Dallas Mavericks. It's like, wow, 29-17, and 17, this is great. The best is going to keep going with Luka and, and this team. Houston's that same record. Harden's averaging 36 points, but it's almost like, you know, who cares? Like we, we don't really like how this team plays and we don't think they could win uh, big games. The Thunder the Thunder keeping it together has been has been amazing for me just watching what chris paul has done with this team uh, a team loaded in the future uh, but yeah i agree with you i think we're looking at that la la matchup um utah has played better with clarkson eight and two in their last 10 um do you think and i guess this applies to the east too we're almost at the trade deadline is there going to be a deal or is there going to be a big name player a name that might get thrown out there to kind of ripple some stuff and maybe bolster a contender it's possible man i mean even with the lakers and clippers you could see kuzma get dealt from the Lakers for somebody and for the Clippers, you might see them trade Montrezl Harrell because they may not want to pay him the amount of money that he's going to command in the off season. So the question is, do you keep him and go for the title this year? Do you keep him and pay him in the off season or do you trade him now and get a guy like Robert Covington from Minnesota? That might be a little bit better of a fit. So you, you wonder whether those two teams can make a deal. And then Dallas has the arsenal to make a trade. I mean, they've already brought in Willie Cauley-Stein, so they're, that was just because of Dwight Powell's injury. But there are teams that can make deals. And, uh, I mean, you look at a team like Boston, they've got arsenal to deal. They've got Philadelphia might have something that they yeah. can deal. There, there are teams here that can add a piece or two. Carl Anthony Towns is not happy in Minnesota. And then you've guys like Robert Covington, like I said, that's, that's on the market. There are some impact guys that could be dealt. The question is, will they get dealt? Because there's some talent out there. There certainly is. Uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be something to monitor. You mentioned a lot of teams that are kind of in limbo. And even the top contenders that aren't sure if they need to make a move, whether they, whether it's a necessity or not, Lakers and Clippers included. I love watching uh, John Morant. I just want to say that. He's been just incredible to watch and we finally got to see a little bit of zion so i think the rookies are starting mm-hmm. to show up um i get the minute restriction with zion I, I get why fans and people don't like it but i get what they're doing it, it's not fun but it's a necessity at this point yeah dude he's had several knee injuries now and, and you can't go and push it with him the glimpses that he's showing he's so talented mm. and then jaw he, he's really taking a step forward he uh wasn't very efficient to start the season but he has become a better player just in the last couple of months. And the young core they have there with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark um, and DeAnthony Melton, and pair that with the other guys they've got from the veterans. It's a good team. It's a really good team and a fun team to watch. It certainly is. Uh, and, and we kind of touched on the East with you bringing up Boston, the Milwaukee Bucks just shredding the league at 40-6, and six, I think. Giannis has got to be a, a, a freight train MVP candidate right now because the roster yeah. didn't, necessarily, didn't necessarily improve going into this year. But here they are at 40-6. and six. The Miami Heat tied with the Raptors for the second-best record in the East. Both great stories. I love the Raptors going for it, not just punting on the season. A lot of that had to do with Siakam's development. But the Heat putting together a nice squad and, and being the best team with the Bucks at home and the entire NBA definitely helps. Spolstra might win coach of the year. 
he, he's been unbelievable. They they ship off they ship off Whiteside, and then they bring. I mean, they allow Autobio to start. Is he most Bam's improved player of the year? Bam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think you give. I think he gets most improved. I think Spolster gets coach of the year, and you bring in guys like Kendrick Nunn. Um, you have Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson. You get these shooters on the floor with guys like Bam and Jimmy Butler, and you still have guys like Drogic. I mean, it's, it's a good, balanced team. They're a fun team. They can make a move. Kevin Love is a guy that can move from Cleveland. The question is, where would he go? He may go somewhere um, in the East and help one of those teams. But like you said, Milwaukee's unbelievable. They lose Brogdon, and it doesn't seem to matter at all. Um, they keep on winning. Miami's done a really nice job. So it's, the East is going to be uh, yeah. fun. For a conference that we thought only had a couple of teams, there are, there are four or five good teams there. And give credit, I mean, to Nick Nurse, because Toronto loses Siakam. They lose Lowry. They lose Gasol. They lose Van Fleet. And he just keeps on winning uh, with this group. It's incredible. Yeah, seven straight wins for the Raptors. Looking at it, I think the East might be deeper than the West, one to six, if you really break it down. Uh, the only question mm-hmm. I have, though, when is uh, Oladipo going to be coming back? Because they're the they're the team, the Pacers. I'm looking at, and I'm not quite sure if they're contender pretender. Tomorrow, oh, he's uh, he's supposed to come back tomorrow. So um, they're saying he's going to come back tomorrow. He's going to come and play limited minutes. Okay, but the fact that he's going to be back. And you put him with guys like Miles Turner and Sabonis, who's yeah. having an unbelievable year. That's another guy that could get most improved. Um, and then, of course, Brogdon. And, and they've got a good team as well. So they're, they are a team that uh, people are going to have to watch out for. All right, last thing, last question. Honest opinion, does the 22-year year playoff streak for the Spurs end this year? Dude, Pop does such a good job with them. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's crazy. I would have said yes going into the season, full disclosure. But oh, me too. Here they are me hanging too. around two games out of a playoff spot with Memphis. And I'm looking at it rationally like they could pass Memphis. <laughs> yeah, you look at you know, They have Aldridge and DeRozan and not much else. I mean, Murray is a solid player. Mm-hmm. Derek White's a solid player. Jakob Pertl is a good backup center um, who's having to play now because Aldridge was hurt last game. But... This is, a, this is a team that's just well-coached. And Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, it's like these are guys that, are, that wouldn't be probably in the top eight or nine of other teams. And he continues to get it done. I don't know that they get in. I just think that, that the race for the last spot in the Western Conference playoffs is going to be fun because even teams yeah. like the Phoenix Pelicans will make a run now. And the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the Pelicans with Zion. I even think Phoenix with Aiton playing well, coming back from his suspension, yep. and Booker. I think it's going to be fun to see. You know, Portland won't go away quietly into the night too. Uh, so yeah. we'll have to monitor all that. But Brandon Marcus, appreciate you coming on. We'll all we'll check out your stuff, the Hoopball Clippers podcast. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for talking. I know it's tough to talk about some serious things, uh, but I think you handled it pretty well, and it was a good Kobe discussion. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me on, as always, Mitch. All right, huge thanks to all of our guests today, Matt Gother, Joe Crisali, Brandon Marcus, for taking time and appearing on the show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and a reminder that you can find every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And you can also check us out at the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. I'm going to miss you, Kobe. I'm going to miss the Mamba mentality that's going to keep going on. And uh, very tragic, but it was, it was great to see all the outpouring of support. If you're in L.A., like myself, 
uh, try to pay your respects at some point, get down to, to downtown by LA Live, and uh, it's a really cool scene. Um, but gonna miss Kobe, gonna miss the intensity and the uh, the loving father and loving man he had become, uh, especially uh, in the later years of his life. So gonna miss him. And uh, this was the Money Mitch Effect. We'll be back next week to recap the Super Bowl, talk some other NFL storylines, as well as other things in the sports world. Until next time, I'm Mitch Michaels. Keep enjoying sports.